Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist of the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast available to you wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts and elsewhere. YouTube, Facebook feeds for the podcast as well. And the Twitter feed, you'll find us at Talking underscore Tide on Twitter, and you'll get links to all our podcasts as soon as they drop right there. I want to quickly thank our sponsors, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. And with that, Travis, uh, we jump into Season 7, Episode 1. Here we go. We launched. Here you go. Uh, Right along with Alabama football cranking up practice this week, into the week, they'll be uh, already underway. I believe the first practice is on Thursday. Uh, you'll have uh, the media day deal uh, with coordinator avail- availability coming up next Sunday. Uh, so uh, a lot to get into here on Talking Tide. And and uh, we'll just kind of preview camp a little bit, maybe hit on some individuals, Travis, that, that bear close watching in camp. Yeah, sounds good. It is here, uh, I guess you could say officially in some ways, and a little bit different, you know, from when we first uh, started doing these type of things together, what, way back in 2007, Good Bread, you'd actually have that split practice on day one of uh, Alabama camp, maybe the young guys, and then you'd have the the older guys actually go earlier, I think. So uh, not quite the same, and certainly not the same when you talk about the media viewing periods and the availability in those things. Those, those, that freshman practice at, at night, I guess they like to have that later yeah. one, right? Uh, that one, as I recall, uh, the video hits on that practice were, were <laughs> very strong. Very well, strong that 2008 camp when you had Julio and the boys show up, that was, uh, it's kind of game changer stuff. High tower. After going out there that, that night group. and seeing High Tower and, Julio and I think Mark Barron, um, Mark Ingram was in that class. Yeah, pretty, pretty uh, uh, game changing stuff. So fall camp gets underway this week. We'll hit on a, a few other topics before we get done here as well. Talk about Julio Jones a little bit more and and, and the fact that he may be on the tail end of it, Travis, uh, with the Tampa Bay Bucks on a one year deal. We'll touch on that a little bit later in the program as well. But uh, the here and now, Travis, camp getting cranked up uh, roughly a month away from game one. Your thoughts on uh, – well, we'll go back and forth. Let's do it that way. Uh, five guys uh, who bear watching in camp. Um, I'll just go ahead and let my five rip, and then uh, we can we can discuss those, and then we'll let your five rip instead of going back and forth, changing the rules on you here. Okay. Uh, I'm coming at – I'm coming at you with. I uh, thought I had man coverage, and then they went zone, so I'm <laughs> right. having to adjust my route. You know, yes, sir. To hook it up here in the zone. Go ahead. I'm going. I'm going heavy transfer, and I'm going heavy on two particular spots on the field on the offensive line. Uh, J.C. Latham and Tyler Steen. I think two guys big to watch at those tackle positions. How they look. Uh, and, and what comes out of camp, the tackle position, obviously very fluid coming out of the spring. So I'll give you both of those guys, one, of course, being an incoming transfer in Tyler Steen. Uh, I'm going to give you Tyler Harrell and 
Eli Ricks as two more transfers to keep an eye on. Tyler Harrell, uh, potentially a guy who could give Alabama that that stretch vertical threat that uh, Jamison Williams provided last year, not saying that he's going to throw up 1,500 yards or whatever uh, Williams did. But uh, nevertheless, if he could take the top off the defense with a little bit of consistency, it could add a, a, a flavor that this offense is going to need. Uh, Ricks, of course, uh, the former LSU player and standout at LSU, at least for one season. Uh, how he looks, I think, will be key. And then finally, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Travis, uh, is going to be relied on very heavily to be a um, kind of lead the secondary. Got a lot of experience as a freshman last year. His play was up and down. I thought he got better toward the end of the year. Uh, but those, uh, those will be my five. Two corners, two offensive tackles, and three transfers among that group. Yeah, I would say the three most sensible areas of this team to kind of start the preseason examination uh, of this this uh, squad. So absolutely corner, especially after what we heard from Nick Saban at SEC Media Days in relation to perhaps some lingering health issues for both Kool-Aid McKinstry and Kyrie Jackson, which – would lead you to believe that the opportunity for Eli Ricks, who coming off an injury of his own last season at LSU, uh, should be there. I've looked at that corner spot kind of in a similar way to 2018. Remember 2018, Patrick Sertan was coming in as a true freshman, and you know you had a guy in Trayvon Diggs at one corner. Savion Smith, I believe, opened that season at the other corner. By the time you got to about halftime of the Ole Miss game, though, a couple of games into the season, Patrick Sertan was in there at corner opposite Trayvon Diggs, and you thought, well, they'll just ride this way the rest of the season. But then you had the injury to Trayvon Diggs in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, about the midway point of that season, so you needed Savion Smith. The point being, regardless of how that situation plays out, even into the first month of the season, you feel very fortunate to have three quality corners, I think, in those guys. And then Terry and Arnold, a fourth corner that's young and uh, has potential for sure. So corner makes a lot of sense. Wide receivers interesting because, you know, you thought you were being dependent upon the transfer portal a year ago when you brought back John Mechie, but you added Jamison Williams to go along with him. Well, hell, you needed two guys, I guess, this year. So you right. mentioned Harrell and Jermaine Burton, you're doubling it up at wide receiver this year, even in comparison to a year ago. And then obviously uh, the offensive tackle position in general and a uh, great opportunity for J.C. Latham, the former five-star recruit, to step in there at one tackle spot. And Tyler Steen, obviously, he's not coming into this situation with the thought being, well, he'll be a good third or fourth tackle, you know. You're, you're bringing him in to, to be a starter. So, yeah. For a multitude of reasons, I, I like your picks there. Uh, I would imagine there might be at least some crossover if, if you were to lay out five of your own. Uh, who, who, who among this roster would you would you classify as uh, under the microscope yourself? Well, I would go to the interior of the defensive line just in terms of playmaking because Fedarian Mathis has moved on. Fedarian did a nice job after. Um, you, you know, you needed some, some production replaced 
with Christian Barmore the previous season moving along. So you've been able to sort of bridge that gap the last few years with a different guy stepping in there. And we've seen Byron Young uh, last year. We saw his tackles for loss numbers go up uh, a nice level there in, in 2021. But, you know, who's going to be those guys? Obviously, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, there's a luxury on the edge knowing that you've got – tackle for loss and sacks and quarterback hurry type guys there at those positions. Chris Braswell also in that mix, but you need some playmakers on the inside. And, um, you know, is that going to be Burroughs? Is that going to be Tim Smith perhaps to go along with Byron Young? DJ Dale is a very sturdy and dependable option in both your base and your big nickel looks. But, you know, when it is third and long, who's going to be, that one defensive lineman, perhaps they might just keep one defensive lineman on the field in dime rabbits because it looks like they want to play Braswell and Turner and Anderson together. So, you know, who's that guy going to be, you know, when it rolls around to third and long. So I would go more interior defensive line. I gave you a bunch of guys there. Um, I think depth at wide receiver is a concern depth at offensive tackle, you know, other than the areas you mentioned in terms of starter types. And I mentioned it, the defensive line position. Uh, I think depth at offensive tackle, you know, great. If JC Latham and Tyler Steen proved to be your starting combination, you still want to have that third tackle. And they played some guys in recent years, Kendall Randolph's an experienced guy. Damian George got significant reps at right tackle a year ago, but, you know, who's the third tackle? And also, who's your third wide receiver? Ja'Cory Brooks coming off an injury. JoJo Earl trying to get there in his second year. Um, you've got some young receivers that you've brought in in this most recent class that we saw even in spring practice. And so Aaron Anderson's one of those guys in the slot to go along with Earl. And um, Kendrick Law at the wide receiver position, too. Jazz, Shaz Preston comes in from the high school ranks. So, I would probably lean more towards depth um, once you get beyond the starter types. Yeah, you mentioned the defensive line at the top, and and you know, there's no doubt that that they could they could use somebody to step up to the forefront, be more of a playmaker on the interior. I I also think Travis and you and I've you and I have seen it, and maybe this it maybe maybe in this day and age, this isn't the case quite as much as it used to be, but. Your inside linebackers need the DL to play well for them to do well. There's a little bit of a relationship there when it comes to especially run, stopping the run. And uh, I wonder, along with, can they find an interior playmaker, uh, somebody who can get to the quarterback like Mathis did or better, uh, how are they going to be in terms of helping out the inside linebackers, keeping the pullers off, you know, hold, you know, holding up uh, the offensive line from getting to that second level and, and allowing Henry Toa Toa and Jalen Moody or whoever might be at that other inside linebacker position uh, a chance to, to be more of a playmaker. Gap integrity, right? There you go. Um, attracting double teams, requiring double teams. You know, I think an intriguing guy is Shaheem Oates, the true freshman who – has just shedded dozens of pounds since yeah. uh, making his way on campus. And he's mammoth. 6'5", I guess he's down around 345 now. He's self-reported. 
on social media here recently, which is again, I think he showed up around 410 pounds. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just amazing what he's already done in terms of the physical transformation that he needed to undergo. And so, you know, maybe he's another one of those guys there you know, on the interior. Uh, basically, when you get to that size of guy, uh, and I thought he flashed some even in the spring game in terms of being a better than you would think uh, athlete and you know, lateral mobility, things like that. So I'm interested to see how much, if any, he can help that defensive front in year one. Wide receiver position, uh, that's how that evolves. It's going to be interesting, too. I think throughout camp, Travis, you've got, um, you know, you, you get the sense, or at least I do, that from an experience standpoint and from a where you came from standpoint, Burton is more of a known asset, a known commodity than Harold, right? Harold's mm-hmm. more of a kind of a wild card X man. What's, you know, what's going to become of, of that situation? Burton, I think, given what he did at Georgia last year, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. You know more what he's capable of. Yeah, I look at those two guys as Burton more along the lines of maybe Mechie. I think Burton could be the guy who leads this team in receptions, but Harold could be along the lines of Jamison Williams. I didn't know what to expect really from Jamison Williams at this time a year ago. Right. And my initial inclination was he might just be a one route pony, right? He might Mm -hmm. be a a go route guy, a a take the top off guy. And there's plenty of value in that, not only in your passing game, but also how it helps you run the football as well. And what we saw was he could do it both in the vertical game, but then after the catch on the intermediate crossing routes and some of those things in which he was able to, to devastate defenses. So, you know, I'm, guessing they would certainly love a one-two punch along the lines of those two guys from a year ago. Uh, And if you get that, you're pretty well set. But, no, they have some slot types that I think also have a chance to be really, really productive. I mentioned Earl, but you saw Christian Leary do some nice things in the 8A game. I mentioned Anderson, very dynamic player. These are 5'9", 5'10 types. Not going to say they're on the level of a Jalen Waddle at this point, but they can bring that type of element to the passing game. And you've heard Nick Saban talk about it. It's kind of like basketball players. You need different players at different positions and, you know, kind of their skill sets and how they all blend together and make you harder to defend. And I I think they have the pieces for that chase. Um, It's just, uh, you know, how quickly they can get that up to speed on the field. It's all about being able to get open in a short space if you're a slot guy. I mean, mm-hmm. really, that's – and especially so in, in, in the NFL. But, look, you know, JoJo Earl, he, you know, he he's he's just the type of guy you want, I think, to be mm-hmm. uh, trying to find a little hole in traffic on third and five, right, and and, and getting open quickly so that that ball can come out right now. Yep. Uh, that, that's, that's what you're looking for on third and – third and short, third and less than five. Uh, but but like you said, you put JoJo out on the edge against a, a 6-1 corner who can run, and, you know, maybe, maybe he's going to str- struggle a lot more. It's just a, yeah. different, it's a different game out there. Well, and the quick game, too. I mean, you want, like you said, you want to get the ball to Leary, Anderson, JoJo, Earl, in the quick game, you know, some of the, the smoke screens and stuff that they like to do, get them a block on the perimeter, make a guy miss. And suddenly, 
you know, it's a, it's a ball that covers 10 yards in the air, but goes for 60. And, you know, another guy we need to mention too, in all this is Trayshawn Holton. You know, he kind of gets overlooked, um, nothing really fancy about his game, but I will say this, I think from a trust perspective, it's pretty easy to see that his connection and his relationship with Bryce is such Bryce has no problem going to Trayshawn Holden. So I think Trayshawn's going to be very much in that mix too. And he is one of those guys, third and eight red zone type situations. Um, Bryce is going to feel comfortable going to him. All right. The talking tide podcast on the pigskin podcast network going to move on first though. Uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about our sponsors, starting with North River Dental Associates and that fantastic service you get from Dr. Jack Smalley and his great group of dental hygienists over there. Conveniently located right off of Watermelon Road. They've got pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures. They do it all. Teeth whitening services, very popular as well over at North River Dental. Botox and Juvederm treatments for those facial features. You get it all over there at North River Dental. If you want to make an appointment, give them a call at 752-3506 or go to NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Coming up on the 15th birthday for Peterbrook Chocolatier in Tuscaloosa. How about that? A decade and a half. For the champions of chocolate, that great chocolate-covered popcorn, those Roll Tide and Alabama-specific treats, you're going to find them all at Peterbrook Chocolatier. If you have that special birthday order, or maybe it's an office order, they also do custom molds for your businesses out there as well. 205-752-0211. They can make that special something for that special someone. In your life, Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. Hey, football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game, a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football, a new shot to win millions in prizes, the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Next generation of fantasy sports almost here. So download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in uh, so you can be ready for the next drop. Once again, it's DraftKings. Travis, uh, a couple things to hit on, I think, before we get out of here. Some of them, a couple of them pretty fun, I think. Uh, one, what about this uh, retail shop? going into Bryant-Denny Stadium featuring NIL gear. Uh, some of it apparently going to be game-worn. Some of it apparently going to be autographed. Uh, and uh, student-athletes, more, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of uh, team gear in there too, uh, but uh, student-athletes getting uh, a slice out of that retail shop. Yeah, and you know who else will like that? The recruits yes. that you bring through Bryant-Denny Stadium. They like that Come real good. This shop, yeah, this yeah. could be you. yeah. Nick doesn't miss a trick, that one. He doesn't miss a trick. No, I mean, it's kind of where we're at, right? Um, gearing more and more towards NIL and just about every aspect of the marketing of the programs and the athletic department in general. And my understanding is you're going to hear 
more news on the collective front coming up in the not too distant future. So going to be more ways for fans to directly interact, interact from an NL NIL contribution perspective. And this is another way with a fan shop. And then, um, again, you're, you're going to see more stuff that is geared very much towards the fan base to try to, you know, bolster those, those NIL, I don't know, what do we, what do we call them? War chest, yeah. a good old fashioned war chest, you know, the, uh, the Nate Oates and the Nick Sabins, they get it. They understand. They've, they've had these talks and these discussions behind the scenes and, um, they want to see those numbers go up where it comes to to taking care of their own players. This is how far we've come in a short amount of time, Travis. It was eight years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 2014 when Todd Gurley got suspended for a month. <laughs> I missed, missed four games, I think, uh, oh, yeah. for, for signing autographs. Yeah. And now here we are eight years later. And uh, Todd Gurley's jersey could be hanging with his autograph yeah. in it in the in the in the in the team store. Yeah. I if I was Todd Gurley, I'd say, you know, I want some interest on that yeah. jersey, that autograph jersey. And four games of eligibility back. It, it was know? always <laughs> just, you know, such a scam for the for the players because you know, you could go by the practice facility at UA and 15, 20 years ago or so. And you would have the the autograph folks right outside the gate. And so the players would come out of the facility and get swarmed with memorabilia and helmets. And it wasn't like somebody had a little Johnny up there and was like, hey, could you sign this for John? No, this was all stuff that eBay was just coming into kind of popularity at that point. They're still doing that at the Senior Bowl. Oh, yeah. And they finally had to set up the parking lot at the Malmore building to sort of be able to keep people out of there because mm. uh, it was a business. They were running a business right out of the, and the players for the most part, I believe weren't seeing a dime of it, but right. um, yeah, that is, that's how far we've come. All right. Julio Jones, Travis signs a one year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, uh, he was on a multi-year deal with the Tennessee Titans after they traded a couple picks to the Falcons for him. They cut bait after one year in what was a, a real trying year for him health-wise. Missed a lot of football. Didn't look himself at all when he did play last year, frankly, for the Titans. Uh, but off he goes, Travis, to uh, hook up with Tom Brady for uh, maybe maybe one more well maybe one more run at it. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of an aging situation all the way around down there in Tampa Bay. And that's with Rob Gronkowski, retired for the time being anyway. You got Chris Godwin down there. He's coming off an injury. Mike Evans, obviously, has been a standout in the league for a number of years now. So I think they added Kyle Rudolph at the tight end position. They did. So they're a little mossy at some of those receiver spots. But, boy, if you can keep Julio healthy – to go along with Evans and Godwin comes back okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a damn nice core there for, for Tom Brady to work with. All right, before we get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast, Travis, got to go outside the SEC to close things out. Finally, uh, what about these comments from Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, Quote, Travis, softening his stance when it it comes to automatic bids for potential um, 
CFP participants. Yes. Yes. What about it? Now, catch me up. He wants he he was he was adamant before about conference champs being represented, right? More adamant, and I'm not necessarily sure he was ever on a hard number. Uh, but now that he's obviously picked up USC and Southern Cat yes. and, uh, and and UCLA. Yeah. And uh, the, the alliance, right, that, that, that they were in with the Pac-12, that's all gone. Yeah. So, uh, all, all, and then here you have Greg Sankey on the other side saying, I don't know if I want any automatic qualifiers at all. So <laughs> it's just, you know, there's a, you, you can you, you can almost see the dance happening step by step. Here. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the narrative changes as the agenda changes. And as you said, when you start adding schools to your conference and it doesn't sound like the Pac-12 or the Big Ten is done at this point. And if you're, you know, projecting even an eight-team playoff in the not-too-distant future, there's going to be campaigning for spots. And that's what we're already seeing right now. We haven't even gone to eight teams. Certainly with four teams, right? you're not going to want the hard and fast. I mean, that wouldn't work regardless, really. But um, even with eight, you're already trying to beat the rush and get out there and campaign for for multiple spots for your league. Report from CBS, I believe, a week or so ago, and I think the Big Ten had a, a kind of a, a soft denial on this one, but uh, apparently they're evaluating – uh, as potential invitees, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. Uh, and those are really, I mean, to me anyway, your your real your real athletic brands there are Oregon, Washington, and Stanford. And and if anybody's going to pick the carcass out of the Pac-12 some more, those are going to those are going to be the top gets. You know, I think if the Big Ten totally had its way, it would be Notre Dame in place of Cal, obviously. Right. Um, having been to all four of those places, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal, I'd get it with three of them. I could see it with Washington, Oregon, and Stanford. But, man, Cal just doesn't seem like a fit. I guess academically maybe you could fit that in there. And obviously the the tie to Stanford in a lot of ways. But it's uh, like I, kid, like, I like three of those four. I like three of those yeah. four for the Big Ten. They're sensible. At Cal is where they kind of lose me a little bit. You know, when 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 the politics really hit the fan on this, maybe it's a situation like the kid in Sandlot where they couldn't play every day if they didn't have this this guy who didn't know what he was doing sitting in right field. Maybe well, and if you're Cal, you're, you're a public university in the state of California. That's kind of a problem for UCLA right now, isn't it? Right. With the, yeah. with the Big Ten? Yeah, it's uh, – it's going to be fun to watch all that play out, uh, but most especially be fun to see how things go with Alabama's fall camp. Travis and I will be back with you next Sunday here on Talking Tide, at which point we'll be talking about a couple of practices that will have been in the books by then. Also, of course, uh, the coordinators uh, will have spoken uh, just that day when we come back. So that'll be a well-timed edition of the Talking Tide podcast for Travis Ryer. ObamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Talking Time.